Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Uh, so he takes that past strategy, tragedy, and then he says, hey, that happened, but there's a future judgment coming that is going to be just as bad, if not worse. And he's talking about on the nation of Israel, and he says, because of this future judgment on the nation of Israel, then we as a nation, just like we cried out to God because of this tragedy, we should cry out to God because of this judgment, and we should repent. And he said, perhaps God will hear our cry, and he will say, you know what, I'm going to withhold my wrath on all of humanity. Now, we know for a fact that God didn't withhold it because they didn't repent, and the nation of Israel uh, ended up being destroyed. Uh, but then, um, this is what he says. He goes on uh, in chapter 3, and I'm going to put all the verses on the screen, but if you want to follow along, Joel chapter 3, he says, in those days, now he's not talking about the national tragedy. Now he's talking about this future judgment that's going to hit all of humanity. Uh, what he calls the great and terrible day of the Lord, which they used to refer to national tragedies, but they also used to refer, refer to this great end time event. And a lot of what he's going to be talking about, the rest of what he's going to be talking about is really the end time event that's going to impact all of humanity, which includes Israel. And he says, in those days at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and there I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and divided up my land. And a lot of people will look at this and they'll say, well, he's talking about just Israel. He's not talking about end times of that. But if you look at what he says, he says, I'm going to gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley. Historically, this has not happened yet. So it's an event that has yet to occur. He says, there I'm going to put them on trial for what they did to my people Israel. Historically, this has not happened yet. Historically, we know Israel has been overrun by the Assyrians, it's been overrun by the Babylonians, it's been overrun by the Greeks, by the Romans, by the Turks, and many nations. None of those nations has God looked at and said, hey, here's the consequence for what you did to my people Israel. Now, the other reason we know that this is not just referring to that is because this is the same language that Jesus uses um, in the book of Revelation when he's talking to the apostle John. And here's what he says. He says, I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet three unclean spirits like frogs. They're demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Now we're Almighty is El Shaddai, God Almighty. So th this again, Book of Revelation is referring to this time when there's going to be this huge, overarching, one big giant battle royal, which would be awesome from a movie thing, or if you're watching it, pretty cool. If you're in it, not good at all. And then Joel goes on and he says, here's some of the reasons. If you look through, he lists a lot of reasons why God is going to judge all of humanity. But we're going to jump down a little bit. Uh, in the book of Joel, chapter 3, one of the reasons he lists is he says, um, they cast lots for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. They sold girls for wine to drink. And this, some uh, 
people can look back and say, historically, this is what was happening in any village or nation or town that was ravaged by war, that people would, like, sell the, the boys and the children and all that kind of stuff. But this is not just an isolated incident. This is a global incident. Because if you look online right now and if you Google um, sexual slavery and you think it's not in our area, but if you just sex slave trade in Pittsburgh, multiple, multiple neighborhoods in Pittsburgh where this is happening, where little boys and little girls are disappearing and being sold into the sex slave trade where they get yanked somewhere, usually overseas or whatever, and if you look, and I hate to bring up the guy's name, the, the one guy who just killed himself in jail, because he was offering sex with young children to well-known, famous people. This isn't something that God looks at and says, this stopped back then. This is something that God looks at and says, this is still wrong now because it's still occurring today. And no matter what culture you go into across the world, you'll find two things. One, you'll find people who say that, hey, this kind of thing is wrong. Doing that to children, definitely wrong. But you'll find also people who say, yeah, but it still happens in our community. In every community, in every nation, in every city on the globe, you still have that happening. And then... Uh, he goes on, Joel chapter 3, and he says this in verse 9 and 10. He says, proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war, rouse the warriors, let all the fighting men draw near and attack, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weakling say I am strong. And again, this is verbiage that's used in Ezekiel, it's verbiage that's used in Isaiah, and it's used to refer to this big end time battle. And we know this isn't a battle that took place in the past, because he even says in verse 11, come quickly, all you nations from every side and assemble there. But then he says, bring down your warrior's lord. So this battle isn't just all the nations fighting each other. This is a battle that God steps in and wages against humanity. And if you look in, uh, and we went through this when we read through the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul even references this when he's talking to the Thessalonians, and he says in chapter 4, he says, we don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, this is something that you should know about those who are asleep, meaning those who have died. He says that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. This is meant to be an encouragement about people who lost loved ones. Like we were just talking about the fact that Ed passed away, and we prayed for him and praying for hope for his family. This is supposed to be hope that their life isn't, done, it's done on earth, but it continues on in heaven because he says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which we know he did, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. That term falling asleep again for those who have passed, those who have died. So he says, yeah, you know what? There's going to be, just like Joel said, there's going to be this great battle, but he says when Jesus returns, he's not just going to bring down his angels, He's going to bring all those, those saints, those who are with him, to come back with him uh, during this time of war. And then in Joel chapter 3, jumping back to Joel, he says, he goes on and he says this in verse 17. He says, then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill. Jerusalem will be holy. 
Never again will foreigners invade her. And it's not just that they won't be invaded, but never again will people come against her. And right now we know this wasn't past because we're still seeing every few months or every couple of seasons where Hamas or somebody else sends you know, rockets flying into Israel. So they haven't invaded, but they're still assaulting. He says, in that day, the mountains will drip new wine, and all the ladies said amen, and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacias. And this is indicating that God will provide for all of the people there. And never, ever, ever again will you see this point where people are in need, where, where, where nations are coming against Israel. And, and if you look online, you'll see people talking about how Israel is, 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 you know, we spend too much time. Some of our Congress people, we spend too much time supporting Israel. Other people saying we don't spend enough supporting Israel. And God's going to say, you won't have to worry about that ever again. Because once this battle is done, I'm going to set up Israel as a holy place. I'm going to provide for all of the people. And for those of us who are wondering, we are a part of Israel. Paul makes that clear in Romans. He says it's not by blood, the blood of Abraham. That's not what makes you a part of Israel and the descendant of Abraham. It's by the same faith that Abraham exercised. So it's our faith that makes us a part of God's family. And so not only does Joel talk about this great battle, not only does Isaiah talk about it, but Jesus talks about it. Um, Isaiah says this, in chapter 24, behold, the Lord will make the land and the earth empty and make it waste, turn it upside down, twist the face of it, scatter abroad its inhabitants. He says, and it's going to be, and this means, what he's saying here is it's going to impact everybody. It'll be the same uh, with the people, with the priest, servant, master, maid, mistress, buyer, seller, lender, borrower, creditor, doctor, butcher, baker, candlestick maker, welder, fisher, hunter, bowler, Steelers fan, Patriots fan, doesn't matter. Everyone on the planet is going to be impacted by this. And then he goes on and he says that the land and the earth shall be utterly laid waste and utterly pillaged for the Lord has said this. And then he drops down in verse 21. And just if anyone has doubt, he makes it clear. In that day, the Lord will visit and punish the host of the high ones on high, host of heaven and the heavens, and the kings of the earth on the earth. Again, this huge final battle where God finally comes down and he, he just wipes out everyone, lays waste to the earth and all the inhabitants and all those who are waging war against him. But then, just to be clear, he also says that it, he takes care of all of the heavenly hosts. And in Paul, Paul, in Ephesians, Paul makes it clear that there are heavenly hosts like demonic forces. I know a lot of people get weirded out when you talk about spiritual things, but there are heavenly hosts that are kind of running things right now. This isn't the way God's will would be done on earth because people are running rampant and not doing God's will. He says, for we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against the despotism, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness against the spirit forces of wickedness and the heavenly spirits. So we're not fighting against, like, just people. We're fighting against these demonic forces who right now, their way is winning because we see more and more people doing their will rather than doing God's will. But then, going back to Isaiah, what Isaiah is reiterating is there's going to come a time where God doesn't just lay waste to the earth 
and punish them, all the host in heaven. And it's the language that Joel used, we talked about last week, when he says God is going to punish all of the, the, the host of heaven. And when you hear that, that, that the clouds and the sun will be darkened language, not that God's going to blot out the sun, because if he did that, everyone on earth would freeze to death. It's that all of those people who put their hope and their trust, and no offense if that's you, are the zodiac signs and the zodiac stars and sun gods and the god of this and the god of that. God's going to take care of all that as well. Take care of all the human hosts who have rebelled against him and all the people, all the spiritual forces as well. And then this is what, what I meant to go to, what Jesus says about it, Matthew 24 And again, Matthew 24, Jesus was walking along with his disciples, and they said, hey, look at the temple. And he says, hey, there's going to come a time when that temple is going to be torn down, destroyed, laid waste, rubble, like what they need to do to Century 3 Mall. I mean, I get JCPenney. Is there anyone who still shops at JCPenney? Okay, so I don't know how JCPenney is, 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 is like, I don't know. I know there's this whole legal deal, but I would not want to be the only one in the store of like some 30,000 square feet, and my 220, however much they have, they're the only ones there. That's, anyway, needs to come down. Anyway, going to bring the temple down, and they were like, hey, Jesus, when is the temple going to get torn down? What's going to be a sign of your return? And what's going to be a sign of the end of the age? That phrase, end of the age, means the end of time, the end of all things, when God brings all of this, his whole total purpose and plan to a close. And part of what he tells them is you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, which we'll hear about. See that you are not frightened or troubled, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. So even though we keep hearing about more wars, war with Iran, war with this, and right now as a nation, United States, uh, even though, you know, we think World War I, World War II, Vietnam War, Korean War, those type of wars, right now we're in multiple wars in Afghanistan and Yemen and all these other places where we have soldiers deployed to fight. So those are technically wars. But then Jesus goes on and he says this also. He says, for nation will rise against nation, which we see, kingdom against kingdom, check. There will be famines and earthquake and place after place, check. But he says, all of this is but the beginning, the early pains of the birth pangs, of the intolerable anguish. In other words, he says, when you see all these things, know that the end is near, but that's just the beginning of the end times. And all of these things have been increasing since before any one of us was born. So we're on that, for lack of a better term, death march until the end of the age. He goes on and he says this. He says, then they will hand you over to suffer affliction and tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. This particular passage is to primarily, he was talking to the disciples in that time, in that generation, which that did occur. They were increasing wars. There was a war. Uh, The temple came down. Uh, Rome came in, smashed everything. They were dispersed. Christians were hated and began being persecuted. But it's also to us. And you'll see why. Because then he goes on and he says this. And then, after that, many will be offended and repelled and will begin to distrust and desert him whom they ought to trust and obey. And they're going to fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. He's talking specifically about the church. 
And he separates it. This is, and then, after that happens, and then this is going to happen. This has been happening. We, ju we just talked about an instance of it happening. Where church folks, offended by one another, repelling one another, going after one another, and hating one another. And he's talking about church people. He's not talking about those who don't know God, because they can't fall away from him. He's talking about those who are profess to know God and to love him. And even though there are lots of churches, thank you, Jesus, that are on the rise and growing, there are lots of congregations that are falling away. And he gives us the perfect reason why. He says, because many false prophets will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. And the love of the great body of people, again, the church, will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity. Iniquity is just a fancy word for our sin and our transgressions. And he says, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So he says, hey, we're in that time period on that death march till the end of the age. Things are going to get worse. They're not going to get better. And, 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 I, and here's part of the problem. And what he says, you got many false prophets, they're going to deceive people and lead them into error. This happened every single time where a prophet came in, said God is going to bring judgment on a nation. There were false prophets who rose up and said, things are going to be okay. We're God's people. God's going to bless us. God wants you to be rich, wants you to have multiple cars, wants your marriage to be great, your family to be great. God loves you. He would never let anything happen to you. And they kept preaching that until God destroyed that nation. And that is what you hear today. And I'm not saying God doesn't love us. He does. I'm not saying God doesn't want us to be happy. He does. I'm not saying God doesn't have a purpose and a plan for our life while we're here. He does. But the truth is God also said we're on a death mark till the end of the age. And rather than telling people, hey, everything is good with you, go out and make your life happy, get rich, have money, get married, and do life together, here's what he actually says that we're supposed to be doing. This good news of the kingdom, the gospel, will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. This is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be going out and sharing the gospel everywhere we can. It, it's a twofold thing because on the one hand, we get to fulfill God's purpose, right? Once the gospel has reached all the people that, that God said, hey, everyone has had a chance to hear the truth and to experience salvation and to be saved from this wrath and judgment and to experience his love. Once everyone has had a chance, God's like, okay, everyone's had a chance. Now comes the end. This is what Jesus just said. Once that happens, then the end will come. But it also fulfills our purpose, because I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm just tired of this world we live in. I'm tired of turning on the news and reading about another war over something that makes absolutely no difference in anyone's life except the people in charge of those nations. I'm tired of reading about, like we talked about, children being sold into slavery. Tired of reading about uh, both sides where, where policemen who go out to do their job are being killed or shot down 
or, or risking their lives, and there are communities rising up who hate them, but at the same time are tired of turning on the news and reading about people in power like policemen or government leaders or whatever who are abusing their power and taking advantage of people. I'm just tired of it. And if we share the gospel and we expedite this, the quicker we get the gospel out to everyone, then the quicker God says, okay, we're done. Let me, let me give you a quick example as, as we close down. If God looked at every one of us and said, hey, I'm going to take you back. I'm going to pluck you out of this time. Bear with me. This is how my mind thinks. I'm going to pluck you out of this time. And I'm going to put you back on the Titanic. And before you get nervous, <laughs> he says, I'm going to put you back on the Titanic. You're not going to be able to stop it from hitting the iceberg. It's still going to hit. But you are going to have the ability to go save as many people as you can. And, and one of the tragedies of the Titanic, yes, it was tragic that it hit, but it was tragic that so many people perished because many of the lifeboats, they left empty or with a handful of people in them. Hold 40, had 12. Wouldn't you go around the moment you got on the Titanic, said, here's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, here's where all the lifeboats are. Even if you don't believe me, when this happens, here's where the lifeboats are. Get to them immediately. Don't go back and get your cash. Don't go back and get this. Get, wouldn't you do everything you could to save as many as possible because you know the end is coming. And if God took you and he put you back in Germany, right, and Hitler uh, hadn't yet started killing Jews, but he just was, was at the point where he was kicking them out of the nation. But you knew what comes next. And he told you, you're not going to be able to kill Hitler. God said, that's, that's not what's going to happen. But you have the opportunity to go save as many as possible. Wouldn't you go try to tell as many Jewish people as possible, hey, this is what's coming. I know you feel like you're safe, even though Hitler's kicking people out. Get out now. Wouldn't you try to save as many as possible? I mean, it's just, it's the right thing to do. It's the moral thing to do. Um, it just makes sense. And even though God hasn't taken us out of time and put us in those times, God has specifically put us here in this time. And we know for a fact that the end is coming. And we have the ability to go save as many as possible by telling them, hey, I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care if you're rich or you're poor or you're black or white. I just want you to know that there is a God who loves you. And that we are separated from him because he's not like us. He's totally different from us. He looks at us and he sees our sin. But he has made a way for us to be in relationship with him to experience his goodness and grace. And there is coming a time where he is going to pour out his wrath and judgment, but you can escape all that by just acknowledging the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that instead of pouring out his judgment on us, that his son paid the price. And yeah, we're still going to live in a world where there's hate. We're still going to live in a world where they sell children into slavery. We're still going to live in a world where people, you know, hate on black people. People hate on cops. People hate on Asians. Where people hate Middle Eastern people because of, you know, things that go on in the Middle East. We're still going to live in that world. But we can change that little world that we're experiencing around us in our communities by trying to save as many as possible. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head.
God, we pray that going forward, and this is why we always pray this all the time, every single week, we pray that going forward as we leave here, that you would impress it upon our hearts that we have the ability to save souls. Not by anything that we do, but just by sharing what you did. The fact that you sent your son to pay the penalty for our sins, that he died in our place and received our judgment. And by believing and trusting in him, that we can experience eternity with you, forgiveness for our sins, and be recipients of your grace and your mercy and love. God, we pray that you would impress it upon our hearts to share that with everyone we know. Whether it be the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the people we bowl with, whoever it is. People in our circles of influence, people we work with, people we spend time with, people who we love and care about. We pray that you would impress it upon our hearts to save souls. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 Guys, right, thank you so much. And again, um, continue to pray for, for Patty, uh, for healing for her. Continue to pray for Ed's daughter, Lily, and for their family as they just grieve together. And um, next week, I just want to share this with you quickly. Uh, we're going to start a whole new series talking about fear because fear is what has driven a lot of the racial, political, even the class divisions that we see. So we're going to spend some time next couple of weeks talking about that. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, going to have a friend of mine come, and he's going to share his testimony on how fear has impacted his life. So other than that, pray that you guys all have a great rest of your Sunday. God bless, and see you next week.